Hello, 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 and welcome to the Good Life with Dawn Richards podcast. I am Dawn Richards, your host, and I'm so glad to be back with you again. We are here together. Um, For me, it's Memorial Day in the United States today. Uh, It'll probably be the day after by the time you hear this, but for all who are celebrating, for all who served in our military here in the United States over the years, our veterans, and those obviously who um, gave their life in service uh, to our nation, I just celebrate you and thank you for your service. So if that's anyone out there in my listening audience, um, we do honor you here today. And I pray that, you know, wherever you might be in the world, that you are staying close to Jesus, that you are living intentionally, that you are shutting down the voices and the messages from the world that would attempt to contradict what God has promised to us in his word, because there are stark contrast, um, as there should be when you're talking darkness and light. The Bible says, what fellowship does darkness have with light? And so as we get closer and closer to the return of the Lord Jesus, and oh, by the way, he is coming back again. Um, We're not going to get into that deeply today, but just you have to keep that top of mind because sometimes you can get into this this kind of rhythm of living day to day and and sometimes not even living but existing um, especially when you're really not connected to the life source who is Jesus but you get into this way of just existing and being and waking up you know working um, running around moving around eating sleeping drinking doing it all over again hit repeat and you can lose sight of those eternal truths that yes Jesus is coming back that, you know, earth is not our home. We're just strangers passing through and we've got a job to do while we're here as ambassadors for Christ, but we're not of the world. We're just in it. And that means that we can have a greater, better, heavenly, divine experience in this earth, which is what God promised. And so when you see, you know, the news and it's, you know, highlighting all the crime and it's highlighting, you know, the poverty and it's highlighting the mayhem. Yes, that's that's a reality, but it doesn't have to be our reality. You know, God made distinction all the way back from the very beginning. If you look at, you know, when he was preparing to deliver the children of Israel out of Pharaoh's clutch and to take them out of the abuse and the slavery and all that they had suffered and bring them into their promised land. There was a lot of, you know, um, of workings that God was doing there to prove a point that he is God. And in that, he made a distinction between his people and the Egyptians. He was bringing judgment on Egypt and on Pharaoh because they were being hard hearted, because of how they had treated his people. And the locust and the the darkness that fell on them and and even the slaying of the firstborn in every household that passed right over God's people in fact God made sure they were in the best part of the land they were in a part of the land called Goshen and they had light while the children of Israel were I mean excuse me while the Egyptians were groping around in darkness they couldn't even see their hand before their face now you know it has to be dark When you put your hand before your face and you can't even see your hand, that's what they were dealing with because they were enemies of God. But the children of God, the chosen of God had light. And so that's how we are to be in these last days. And is it just so that 
we can have it good. Well, that's a big part of it because, hey, we're God's children. And and the Bible says as he is in and has as Jesus is, so are we in this earth. So are we in this world. But there is a bigger purpose. The bigger purpose is so that the world can see that our God is the real God, that he is God. And as they see that through us, because the only way they can see an invisible God is through his people. The only way that we could see and know God was through Jesus Christ, who was God embodied. He was what what did the Bible say? He was Emmanuel, God among us, God in flesh, God incarnate. And similarly, we have God living inside of us and we're his representatives. We're his representation. So when we walk in healing versus sickness, when we're able to live well and, and, and be well cared for and, and have abundance versus lack and poverty and struggle all of our lives. When we live in divine protection and safety and calamity can't touch us. All of these things are witnesses that, hey, that they're on to something. Why don't we discover what it is? And that's where the salvation and the bringing in of the lost and the restoration to God comes in. So your life is so much greater than you. All the good things that God has for you and has bestowed upon you and will bestow upon you. It's so much greater than you. It's so much greater than me. We just get to benefit from it while we're the vessels. Glory to God. So that was a long introduction, but we're going to go ahead and jump back in. I'm excited, as, as you know, to be back with you. We're heading into episode 44, praise the Lord, of the podcast, and we are picking right back up with, I guess, what's a new series um, on return on investment. And if you haven't listened to episode 43, I encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, we're going to pick right back up essentially where we left off. But just to give you a bit of framing, when we were together last, I kicked it off and I shared that as I was preparing to wrap up 2020 and, and get into 2021, one of the things the Lord spoke to me um, and shared with me about my life for this year and what I could expect was that this would be a year of return on investment. And so I believe that, you know, because it's a Bible principle, it's it's not a private interpretation per se. It's, it was a word that God gave to me for this time to emphasize it um, that much more as to, you know, his workings in my life. But I believe as a believer in Jesus Christ, you can claim it as well. You can claim it and you can take it for yourself. And and so I wanted to share, you know, uh, just what the word of God has to say around return on investment or as the Bible typically refers to it as seed time and harvest. You sow a seed and you reap a harvest. You make an investment and you get a return on that investment. So that's essentially what we're talking about. And we kicked off last time just starting to go through some of the, the scriptures, um, some that especially with this word, this emphasis with this word to the, from the Lord to me and, and kind of where I'm sitting my faith and, and meditating. I started to take you through some of those. We started in Genesis 26 and we looked at Isaac and we looked at how there God had blessed him. The Bible says he sowed. In the land that he was in, it was a barren land. It was a it was a time of famine even. So things weren't even working as they should be in the world. I mean, you could equate the, the scenario to there being a recession or even a, de a depression. Um, but, but despite all of that, that didn't stop God from being God. That didn't stop God from blessing him immensely. In fact, I'm going to share with you some of the different translations 
that come up when it comes to this scripture. And if you have your Bibles, we're in Genesis 26, verses 12 through 14. And some of them say Isaac sowed seed in that land and received in the same year. So we're talking about a hundredfold return in the same year. See, remember I said the Lord said this year would be a return year of return on investment. So we're not talking about what he's going to do next year because we know he's got something even greater planned for next year. But we're talking about this year, the year we're in right now. And in that year, in the same year, he received a hundred times as much as he had planted. And the Lord favored him with blessings, the Bible says. That was in the Amplified um, translation, the classic translation. In another scripture, in another verse, it says that, um, let's see, but some of them actually do use the word return. And I wanted to share that with you, but we'll keep moving along. Let's see. The message translation, let's listen at this one. It says, Isaac planted crops in that land and took in a huge harvest. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God for a huge harvest. Um, that would be the equivalent of a big return on your investment. Because how many of you know, you can make investments, but it doesn't always mean you're going to get the return you were expecting. You know, there could be a downturn in the market. There could be a crash. There could be all types of circumstances that impact for the worse, the return that you receive. Um, and that's why we're going to get into, after we go through some more scriptures, just framing our expectation, we're going to get into the foundation of a return on investment and where it starts. Because what we're really looking at right now, we're looking at what I consider to be the fruit of, you know, a, a seed, the fruit of an investment. But before we get to the fruit, there's a root. And so we've got to make sure that we're nurturing it from the root out, from the root up so that it's not short lived, so that the enemy can't come and manipulate it and, and, you know, try to steal it and all of that. No, we're going to get to the root of the matter, because for every fruit, there is a root before you can have an apple. You have what? An apple tree. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Before you can enjoy those luscious peaches, there had to be a seed. There had to be a root to that. And it was the peach tree. And we even see Jesus modeling this out and flowing like this in his earthly ministry, because when he wanted to make a point about something, he didn't just deal with the fruit. Remember when when he went to in Mark 11, he went to that fig tree. And the fig tree kind of psyched him out, so to speak, because it looked as though it had fruit because it had full leaves. But there was no fruit. Once you got close up and you kind of pulled back the covers, you recognized it was kind of a fraud. There was really nothing there. And Jesus didn't take too kindly to that because the Bible says he was hungry. <laughs> he was ready to eat. And so he cursed that fig tree and he cursed it from what? The root. He didn't just curse the figs or the leaves. No. And they were the ones that were kind of psyching him out because the Bible says it really wasn't fig season just yet. So. He said, no one will ever eat fruit of you again. He did it with his words, but he dealt with it from the root. So we can take that same lesson. And I've taken that same lesson in my life when I'm endeavoring to curse something or bless something, We're dealing with it at the root. We want to get to the root of the matter. And so that's what we'll be doing in this series 
of return on investment, we're going to be going back to the very foundation. You know, I love the beginnings of things because <laughs> if you understand the beginning of a thing, then you can trace it and you can follow it and you can see it, how it's designed to work right where you are today. Jump in in the middle. What does that benefit you? You've got half the picture. You've got a fraction of the, of the understanding that you need to be effective. And so we're talking about being effective because in order to have a return on your investment, you've got to be an, effect, an effective investor. You've got to be an, infect, an effective receiver of the return. You know, you can fall asleep and forget. And the Bible says, shame on you. If you sleep during harvest, shame on you. Um, so, no, we're not going to be that. We're going to be smart about our investments and we're going to be even smarter about receiving the return on our investments. And so here with Isaac, the Bible says God blessed him. This is the message translation. He took in a huge harvest. Why did he take in a huge harvest? Because God blessed him. See, we've always got to remember the source. The source is God. The harvest is the resource, but God is the source. Don't get it twisted. The job is the resource. God is the source. The business is the resource. God is the source. And I decree and declare often, Lord, you are my source of everything. And now I expect miracles. Now I expect a return on my investment. Now I expect a harvest on the seeds I've sown. Now I expect favor because you, oh Lord, are my source. Every good and perfect gift comes from you above, comes from heaven above. And so that's why I tend to shy away and to each his own. But I tend to shy away from phrases like self-made. Oh, you know, he's a self-made millionaire. She's a self-made billionaire. No, I, I shy away from those terms because I'm God made. Without him, I'm nothing. John 15. He's the vine. I'm the, I'm the branch. I can only get what comes from him without him. Without the vine, I'm nothing. And I remind myself of that frequently. Because I don't ever want to lose sight and think it's me, me, me. My degrees. My smarts. My network. My net worth. Where I live, what I do, how I, how I do. No, forget all that. Because if God turns the lights out, it's game over. <laughs> you know, the Bible says he smiles on the, the just and the evil all the same. All these evil, proud people running around thinking that they're really doing something. They have no idea that it's really God above extending mercy to them until they can finally come into the truth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some do. Some run out of time and they don't. That's the gamble you take. But. Never forget, whether you acknowledge it or not, God is our source. So the reason he was able to have a return on his investment, the reason he was able to actually produce a crop of 100 times more than what he planted and a return of 100 times more, and especially in that land of famine, is because God blessed him. And the Bible says it didn't stop there because the man got richer and richer by the day until he was very wealthy. <laughs> hey, how 
many how many how many of my listeners out there can get with that honey you're talking my language you know proverbs 10:22 tells us that the blessing of the lord makes us rich and so god blessed him and as a result what do we see we see him being rich richer and richer you know there's rich and then there's richer and then there's richer <laughs> until he was very wealthy bless the lord it's time for us to expand our capacity to believe and to receive all that heaven has for us. God is not broke. Heaven is not a broke place. God doesn't even speak broke. He can't even think broke. The streets are paved with gold. He walks on gold. We wouldn't know abundance versus poverty if it were not for God. God created it all. So. You see, there is something higher than first class. It's God class. And God will never be, he will never be pressed. He will never tap out. Glory to God. And as his children, neither will we. Neither should we. Because the way I understand it, when mama and daddy have, the children have, the babies have. When you have a good father and a good mother, and we do, that's already been established. He's a good, good father. And so what's his is ours and what's ours is his. The Bible says we are co-laborers. We are heirs together with Christ Jesus. He put us right there with Jesus. He says what Jesus has, you have. You guys are heirs together now. So the whole family, as they say, the whole crew is tight. The whole family is blessed in God. And the man got richer and richer by the day. I'm talking about you wake up on Monday and you're blessed. You wake up on Tuesday and you're even more blessed. You wake up on Wednesday and you're even more blessed. (laughs) I mean, come on. Somebody, let's do it. Let's believe God. Let's lean into this. Let's get stirred up. And let's start letting God teach us. The Bible says He's the teacher of profit. He knows how to teach us to profit. He knows how to bring us the information we need, the knowledge we need. Maybe for many of us in our generations, this is the first generation where, you know, we've had exposure to certain things or we've had the opportunities. That, you know, previous generations that, you know, our grandparents, our parents or whomever may may not have had. And so God is going to steer us. He's going to order our steps. He's going to bring us the wisdom and the knowledge. He's going to connect us where we need to be connected to get the knowledge and the wisdom we need. All of that is a part of that root, that foundation that then will yield the fruit that you can eat on and live on. All the days of your life that you can use to build a kingdom that you can use to be a blessing for generations to come. Because the Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. So you've got to have enough to fit this scriptural metric. You've got to have enough for at least three generations to live off of. Now, does that sound like broke to you? Because it's not just you eating, but it's saying you're going to eat good. Your children are going to eat good and your grandchildren at least. 
and there are no limits in God. So you you can go as far as you as you and God can as you can flow with God. He can take you even beyond. But at least three generations are going to be able to eat off of the blessing that God has decreed for your life. That's the base biblical standard. And it says he accumulated flocks and herds. Just just say accumulation, accumulation, multiplication. Isn't that what a return is on an investment? You're accumulating. You had one level of sufficiency. And now you've added to that. You're accumulating. You're multiplying. The Bible says to be fruitful and multiply. He accumulated flocks and herds and many, many servants, so much so that the Philistines began to envy him. And so we looked at that last time. Yeah, people are going to have a problem with your increase and your blessings and and what God is doing. But so what? Who cares? That's just the wet with the water. There will always be haters. Jesus had haters. We're going to have haters. But guess what? They didn't stop him. They couldn't stop him. Jesus was so rich that he had a treasurer. What do you need a treasurer for when you're only balancing ten dollars? <laughs> I mean, let's get real. You have a treasurer when you have what? A treasury. So see, you got to break down all those lies and false narratives about Jesus walking around with some dusty feet and some broke up sandals and you know, stringy hair. No, that's not that's not the God we serve. And that wasn't how he flowed in the earth. He had bank. And because he had bank. People followed him everywhere he went because he was generous with his bank, because God is a giving God. And because he had bank, he had a treasurer. And you know what? The treasurer happened to be the man that was stealing from him, happened to be the man that ultimately betrayed him with a kiss. Judas was his treasurer. And. He was so rich that even with Judas tipping and tapping into the treasury, he still had more than enough to do all that he was called to do and to bless people abundantly. He knew what Judas was doing. God knows everything about everything, always has and always will. So he let him have his little fun. He let him think, oh, yeah, you're really doing something. He wasn't. Unfortunately, he was condemning and damning himself. And and that was his ultimate end. You know, people do things in life. We've talked about it on the podcast before. You've seen it in my other teachings because it's Bible. You reap what you sow. That's why we're trying to get to the root and the foundation of building a life of good returns. Yeah, you can run out here and steal something. You can run out here and rob someone. You can run out here and scheme and scam. But you're going to reap The return, you're going to receive the return on that. That is an investment and you're going to get the return on that. The Bible tells us exactly what it is. So you'll know it when it comes. You can say, yep, that's my return. That's my what? Harvest. When the Bible talks about harvest and it talks about seed and it talks about returns, it's not just talking about the good things. It's talking about anything. Anything that you do, anything that you sow, it's a seed. Now, we as believers, thank God, because of his grace and mercy, when we sow those bad seeds, maybe we we get angry with someone and we say something we shouldn't say or 
you know, we lose our temper or we don't forgive or all those different things, whatever it might be. We can pull up those weeds and we can curse those weeds and we can get back on the on track of harvesting the good things. But you got to be a diligent farmer and you got to lessen those weeds that come in because those weeds will take down your harvest. We're going to look at all that as we go. But I want you to get excited. I want you to get your expectation up because some of us, we've just been on cruise control. We don't really expect much from God. We, we just look at what we can see right before us. Okay, this is my paycheck. That's all I have to work with. You know, I'm on a fixed income. I want you to banish that from your vocabulary. I will never be on a fixed income in the name of Jesus. I'm on an ever increasing income because the Bible says it can be mine. It says that's how God works because it said here, he got richer day by day. He was very wealthy. There's nothing fixed about it. Yeah, it's fixed in your favor that you're going to get richer and richer and richer. And I actually pray that over myself. I thank God. It's part of my confession. And I base it off Proverbs 10, 22, but I'm, I can, I've got good grounds right here again in Genesis where the Bible tells us that God, the blessing of the Lord makes us richer. It makes us rich. And I say, Lord, I thank you that your blessing makes me richer and richer. It makes me whole because the word there in Proverbs 10 is referring to being whole. So yes, you're rich in money, but there's so much more to life than money. You could be a rich you can have a lot of money, but you could be sick on a deathbed. The money doesn't matter, what does it? Or you could have money, but your family can't stand you because you're low down. Are you really rich? No, God wants you to be rich in relationships. He wants you to be rich in your finances and your bank. He wants you to be rich in your body, healing. He wants you to be rich in your mind, peace and soundness, wisdom. He wants you to be rich in purpose, having an impact. And fulfilling whatever it is he's anointed you to do in this earth, in your generation. It's whole life. My pastor used to say total life prosperity, meaning every area of your life is blessed. Glory be to God. That is what we're talking about. That is the will of God. That is a return on investment. So let's keep moving. We're going to go now. I mentioned last time Ephesians 3.20. There the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly far above all that we could dare to ask or think. Some translations say infinitely beyond your highest dreams, your highest prayers, your highest hopes. In other words, if you could even think it, your wildest imagination, if you can even just allow yourself to dream it, to think it, to to pray it, to ask it, God can exceed it. You're never going to beat God. <laughs> I'm never going to beat God giving. Isn't that good news? We're never going to beat God on the grandness, on the grandeur scale. Because as grand as you can imagine, God has something even greater. He's bound to because he's already promised he would in his word. So if you can dream up some fabulous, God-saturated life for you, for your family, for the generations to come in your family, 
God is obligated to top it. He bound himself to that in his word. His word is bond. You know, a lot of people, they like to say these little catchy phrases like my word is bond, but they are lying. Their word is not bond because they say things that they A, have no intentions of ever honoring and B, don't honor. When you say you can take my word for it. When you say I am trustworthy, that means that your word is actually truth. There is a bond with your word. You know, in the in the criminal system, in the penal system, there there are different types of bonds. So if someone is arrested, typically they have an opportunity, depending on the nature of the crime, they have an opportunity to what bond out of jail until they have their day in court. And there are different types of bonds. If you have a clean record, so to speak, and you've not really been in any trouble and all of that, sometimes you can get a bond, what we call an OR bond. It's a bond of your own recognizance. What does that mean? It means it's a bond of your word. We're going to take you at your word that if we let you out of this jail cell, that on the date and time that the court that the court appoints, you're going to show up. And you're going to address. What we perceive as your debt to society. So we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you are a person of your word and that your word is bond. And so they just sign a piece of paper, they're bonding out, and they're free to go. That doesn't mean that's the end of the matter. No, they still have to come back and address the matter. That's the whole point. But what we're saying and what the court is saying and what the legal system is saying at that time, the justice system is saying is, okay, based on your history, based on what we can assess of you, we believe you're a person of your word. Well, God is a God of his word. We should be people of our word. You should not be going around saying things loosely and lightly that you know you have no intentions of backing up. That is not how God works. And as his children, we shouldn't be doing that. You should not be deceiving people. You should not be playing games. You should not be making false representations. Because remember, Whatever you sow, you will reap. It's not a way to live. If you say, hey, I want to buy some clothes. I need to buy some clothes. But I don't have the cash right now. So I'm going to get a credit card. And you go to the creditor, the lender. And you fill out an application and you sign that application and then they exchange that application. They say, "Okay, we'll go ahead and extend you some credit. We'll let you take the clothes with you today. In exchange for your commitment, based on what you just said in this application and your signature, your word that you're going to pay us when the time comes. Now, we've got to get something out of the deal. So we're going to charge you all kinds of crazy interest. 
But yeah, sure, you can take it. Go ahead, take it with you. And then when the time comes to pay, you're nowhere to be found. And so you have what? Poor credit. Because you're not credit worthy. So see, that's not how we're called to live as believers. In fact, the best scenario is for you to be the creditor. The Bible says we are the head and not the tail, above only again and never again beneath. The lender and not the borrower. So our ultimate status should be to be a lender. And then, of course, we would do it under godly terms. We're not going to be charging people exorbitant, crazy interest rates that they could never hope to pay back. That's what evil lenders do. Our heart posture has to always be in tune with goodness and blessing. And how can we help uplift people? Yes, we're going to profit in the meantime. But it shouldn't be on the world's wavelength of corruption and and, and all that excess that they get into. That does not profit them. Ultimately, it's a short lived gain. Now, we're talking about gains that last and last and last and last to the point where when your great grandchildren wake up, they say, "Ooh, wee! my granddaddy and my grandmama are the bomb.com. Child, I'm sitting here sipping on some coconut water in the Caribbean because my great granddaddy and my great grandmama had it going on and they serve God. And I'm so blessed. <laughs> I cannot be stressed. That's what we want. That's what God wants. It shouldn't be struggle upon struggle upon struggle, generation after generation after generation. Even when you take into account the evils of racism and sexism and all the things that the world throws into the equation. God has empowered us to rise above that. Racism can't keep us down. Sexism can't keep us down if you're a woman. No, God will always trump anything the enemy tries to do. The enemy tried to shut the world down for good. He tried to shut the churches up for good with Corona, the coronavirus. But guess what? Church doors are back open. Guess what? People are once again able to live their lives and and earn a living for their families and to be healthy as they do it. Because God is greater than anything the enemy will ever try and ever try to come up with. And with that, I am going to have to pick up next time. We're going to pick right back up and keep going through the scriptures. I promise we're going to get further next time. I pray this has blessed you. Until then, be blessed. Live intentionally. Embrace the good life. Share the podcast. Be liberal. And I'll be back with you soon. God bless you.